So if, uh, if I was to do this, what would that mean to you? Okay, yeah, yeah, I would be com communicating that, you know, I'm okay with you or I'm okay with something that's going on, right? But in Brazil, in South America, it doesn't mean that. If you're communicating in that manner to someone in Brazil, you know, you're not exactly telling them they're okay. Let's just say you're, you know, you're kind of telling them what it kind of looks like. We're going to just speak to a, like a glutamus maximus type of a thing here in Brazil when you put out that there. You know, it's like a crude way of telling them that, huh? So, so they're, they're not actually okay, are they? I, I remember when I went down to Mexico City on a, on a trip, a missions trip, and we were, we were able to gain access at the last second to a public school. So we jumped on it, and we went into the school, and, and, you know, and I'm in the hallway thinking about what I'm going to say, and I just kind of you know, go in there, I charge in there, and, and I, uh, the teacher's across the room, and I'm in the front there, and the students are looking at me, and I look at the teacher, and I just like, you know, and I just like signal to her, and the class goes crazy. I mean, the kids, I think they were like middle school kids age. They start laughing and screaming. And the interpreter's like, no, stop, stop, stop. And, and what I was doing was just very inappropriate gesture to this uh, female teacher in that culture at that time, right? So there are certain signs and symbols in, in our country that mean one thing or another in another country, in another culture, something totally different, huh? And... And sometimes, you know, we notice the differences, sometimes we don't, huh? Like in our case in Mexico City, whoa, big deal, right? Now, today we're going to jump into John chapter 10. We were there last week. We're going to be talking about another I am statement. There are two of them in the 10th chapter of John. And what we see here in the 10th chapter of John, in the middle of the chapter, is Jesus is sort of kind of... He's pushing a cultural line here. He's, actually, he's just, he's obliterating it. He's just stepping over this cultural line, this, this deep understanding of how they perceive a particular important part of their life. Huh? Now, to us, you know, it, when we hear some of these statements, and, it, and it, in particular the one today, it, it might not seem like, wow, but when Jesus was saying it, and we need to understand in that way and, and feel it that way and grasp it, it was crazy bold. It was, as I say, audacious. It was like mind-rattling that he was saying such things. And he was saying that so that we would understand who he is that, and what he, Jesus, would mean to us today. And that's important, to know Jesus for who he said he was and that we would then interpret it, internalize that within ourselves and it would affect the way we behave, the way we think, the way we feel. Now, Today, we're going to jump into John chapter 10, verses 1. Uh, we're going to go 11 through 14. And this statement, just to give you a little background, the statement that Jesus makes uh, kind of is, uh, I'm going to call it provoked or sort of, you know, brought on by an, an incident or an event that happens in John chapter 9, the prior chapter, if you got that. And what's happened there is, is this man who's born blind and he's begging and... <laughs> And Jesus walks over, picks up some mud, spits in it, makes a little pie, and, and puts it in the guy's eye. Try and do that today. You'll get arrested, man. Talk about spreading germs, right? But he does it. Scripture says he does it. I believe that. And, and upon doing that, the man opens his eyes, and he can see. He's no longer blind. He receives sight. Now, the healed man goes to the temple there to see the Jewish leaders, the Jewish authorities, and he tells them what Jesus did, and they're ecstatic. They're not. They're angry. They're furious. 
They're not happy of what's going on. That Jesus has been growing in his popularity and people's affection for him. And they're getting no position, no power, no money in their pocket. What's going on here? And so when he keeps refreshing that Jesus did this, they throw him out of the synagogue. Get out of here. In the shadow of that event, and in that context, Jesus makes another one of his I am statements. John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. He's got no skin in the game. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, so in verse, so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This is our I am statement for the day. When Jesus uses the word good here, he's speaking of intrinsically good, meaning beautiful to the core, meaning a model of what it would be to be the ideal shepherd. But when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's speaking so much more to being, you know, a good shepherd, so much, so much more to being caring and supportive and, and providing. And Jesus is all of that, being fully God and fully man, but he's speaking so much more to that. And that's just what he's speaking to, that he is God. He, he's talking to Jewish people. And, and, and this is a very powerful, as I said, statement. It's, it's, it's a culture rattling, a counterculture statement he's making. I'm going to take you to the Old Testament to sort of support this. We'll go through it quickly. But we're going to go to the book of Ezekiel, one of the minor prophets, and we're going to go to chapter 34. Now, again, the Jewish people, they were a, the, a, a, a theosity, if you will, not theosity. They were um, you know, a, a theocracy, meaning theosity is, is more about you know, a pain, but they were a, 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 a theocracy. What that means is that religion was central in their government and how they ran their lives and the rules they made in their life. And the scriptures in the Old Testament, I mean, man, man they, they were so ingrained in people's minds and their hearts. It's like you might know the Pledge of Allegiance or, uh, you know, you might know, you know, you know, the day and the time the Red Sox won the World Series in 2000 or whatever when they hadn't won one in 80 years. I mean, it was just they breathed it, they lived it, they ate it. So Ezekiel chapter 34 says, the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Now the following verses go on to say, you know, how the religious leaders there in Ezekiel's time have mistreated people. And how they've caused people to contribute to people going astray and being spiritually poor and depraved, right? And how God now is going to come and he's going to take the people away from these spiritual leaders, away from these Jewish religious leaders, and he's going to care for them as a shepherd cares for his sheep. Verse 12, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. This is God speaking. I will rescue them from the places where they're scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I'll bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I'll bring them into their own land. 
And he is speaking about the forthcoming of the nation of Israel. What's going to happen is, quick background is, shortly after this, the nation of Israel will be taken captive by the Babylonian Empire. And for seven years, they'll be out in Babylon. Eventually, they will come back, and they will begin to take their land. And even now, what we know today is Israel is the same area. Now, Ezekiel's a prophet, and, and what's happening here is Israel's being pushed out of their land, and they're being dispersed, dispersed now, the surrounding nations. Now, God is saying to the religious leaders, you were supposed to care for my people. You were supposed to, my sheep, you, were, you didn't, and they've gotten scattered. He tells them, you are no longer worthy of being a leader, a rabbi, a teacher. I'm taking your place. I am going to be a shepherd to my people. I will be a good shepherd to them. You have been a terrible shepherd to them. You have not been a shepherd to them. All right, so let's try and apply that to today. So Jesus uh, heals a man blind, and, and the religious leaders, they're not happy because they think Jesus, as I said, is getting the attention to credit. Then moving on to John chapter 10, in the midst of the whole situation and conflict. Now, you've got to get this. They're arguing about this man, you know, you know, it was legit that he was healed. Is it demons? Jesus got demons in him. Is he really healed? Was he really blind? They're going back and forth. All they can do, they're spinning it. They're commenting on it. Sounds familiar, right? And in all of that, the crowd, the bickering, the arguing, Jesus goes and stands before them, and he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. Right there, huh? He's saying, hey, you guys, hey, you religious leaders, I am the good shepherd. Man, he's giving them that okay sign right there and then. And it ain't the American okay, it's the Brazilian okay. That's what's going on. Little coup, but it's the truth. Meaning, he's saying, hey, what do you, he's saying, you were supposed to spiritually care for these people. Instead, you're taking care of yourselves more. You're more concerned with yourself and your well-being. And Jesus, I am the good shepherd. He's saying, I am fulfilling Ezekiel chapter 34. I am coming now to care for my people. You are out. I am in. Now, so let's try and bring it a little bit closer to home. Let's say no insinuations at all here today. Just trying to, you know, in brevity, create a picture that we could apply here. Let's say, you know, later today you were to drive up to a government building in Boston. And due to the really dire, difficult circumstances that we're in right now, the crisis, you just see people lying, out, out, lining up outside a government building where they're, you know, they're looking to get maybe or hoping to get, you know, some aid, money, clothing, food, whatever it might be. And, uh, and they're just as lines and they're cutting each other in line and they're young and they're screaming and they're fighting. And you were to turn around and you were to step out of your car and stand in front of them and say, ask not what your country could do for you, but you, what you could do for your country. Who would they connect that to? Kennedy, right. Yeah, John F. Kennedy. And, and what would they think you're insinuating? What? Come on, say it, man. What would they think what you're insinuating is they're not. Okay, I know I've been up since 3.30 in the morning. I'm going. You guys are just waking up. That's okay. <laughs> what, what, what you'd be insinuating is, hey, man, you know, you're, you're looking out for yourself and not just your country, right? And not that I'm saying there would be that. That's the context. That's what's happening here. You know, meaning what I'm saying is when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, they know exactly. First of all, they know, first and foremost, he's saying he's God. 
He said, he's got, I, uh, not that he's a nice guy, he's caring, he's loving, he's supportive, this is how, you know, we think Jesus, you know, that. no, no, he's saying, I am God. I'm God, the God that was prophesied about in Ezekiel chapter 34. This is who I am. And I am the good shepherd. And in this context right now, you and I both know you are the bad shepherd. You are the people that God spoke to, chastised, criticized, came against in Ezekiel chapter 34. When Ezekiel, a word from God, prophesied. And that God came down on them. And so today too, I judge you, I chastise you for what you are doing to God's people that have been put before you. You're not caring for them. You're not loving them. You're not making yourself available to them. You're not putting yourself aside for them. Instead, you're looking out only for your own interests. Huh? Wow. Did you get that? Okay, good. So, John chapter 10, verse 15. You know, and, and of course, the religious leaders are like, okay, man, these are fighting words, right? Like, man, we thought we wanted to kill him. Now we know we want to kill him. You see, John chapter 10, verse 15, Jesus said, just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. And in verse 17, he says, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. You see, what we see here in Jesus' words is, is there is a life given. I lay down my life only to take it up again. Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for his sheep, you and I. This is a driving characteristic of who Jesus is. It's why we worship him, because he's a God who has laid down his life for you and for me. If you're going to follow someone or something, and we all do, whether you realize it or not, there's something that drives you. There's something that's moving you to follow something or someone. In, in all your logic and reasoning, would it not be someone who has given their life for you, someone who will sacrifice everything for you, someone who will go the distance for you no matter what, through thick and thin, through hurt, disease, lack, difficulty, but they will be there with you. Is that the one you'd want to follow? And, and this is so sick. And I want you to know that you were created to yearn for that. You were created to desire that. It's a core of who you are. So don't listen to the preacher, right? Because we always discount the preacher, huh? But, but listen to Hollywood. How many, I, I, I didn't have the chance to do this. I bet you there's some article out there. But I wonder the percentage of movies that the theme, the plot, has to do with the main character giving his or her life to save another life, right? To save a person, to save a group of people, to save the world. What, you, ever catch, you ever see a movie like that that has that theme? In all these plots, we see that, right? You know, think about it. Uh, the Titanic, Leonardo, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Thank you, thank you, okay. Uh, how about John Q, uh, Denzel Washington? I dig Denzel, right? Son's got a heart problem. You know, you know, Leonardo is given his life, and he goes down into the water, and the girl lives. And, and in that moment, we're like, you know, you see him going down, and you just feel something within you, like, wow, this is a good dude. Wow, that's a great thing to do. And, and the whole movie built to that one point, and in John Q, his son's got a heart problem, and he gives his life. All the superhero movies are all about people risking and giving their life, you know, for another. And, of course, the, the, the great example of this, maybe one of the great ones is Olaf, the snowman. All right, come on, in frozen, huh? He, he melts away for honor, right? 
And what does he say? I think in that moment by a fireplace, he goes, you know, when she's talking about love, he's like, love? Love is, love is when you put yourself aside, when you give yourself for another, right? And I got a coup there. And so we're drawn in by that. We're in awe. We're moved. We have an emotive response. Literally, it affects the way our bodies, our, our hearts are beaten, our temperatures change, our minds are going to a better place, a stronger place, it's some, because there's something deep inside of us. We were created for that. But not just to watch it, huh? But to live it. The, I, I want you to get this. We were created to live that out. Not just to be a spectator to that. As followers of Jesus Christ, this is what we were made for. To live our lives for another. To sacrifice for one another. To sacrifice for those apart from God that they would know him at any time. Especially this time. All day long. In season and out of season. Huh? Now, and, and I got that. This is what impressed me. When I was kind of just sensing there was something more to life. Than, than just where I was and what I had in my, in my late 20s. I'm thinking, it's just, there's just got to be something more than this. And, and I'm getting tastes of, you know, this and that. And it's, it's good in a moment, but it's, I'm just, it's just not floating my boat. And I see that. And I don't see it floating my boat, you know, for the next, you know, 20 years of my life. Let alone the consequences or damage or mayhem that could come from this. There's got to be something more. And, you know, being in the city and talking to cab drivers and prostitutes. And, I mean, like talking to prostitutes, like, you know. Okay, anyway, and, and, and people in the streets and, and drug dealers and lawyers and doctors. You know, it's crazy. The city's crazy. Now you're hanging out, and like in 15, 20 minutes, you can be here, there. When all was said and done, I, I said, man, this Jesus. And of course, I had been introduced years back. I, I had this on and off awareness connection about God and Jesus. So I dismissed it, came back to it. But now I'm like, it just... It, of everything, of every religion out there, if you, know, if you want to put it in that category, uh, of every belief system, of every way to live, uh, you know, this, this is it. Because what impressed me was that Jesus and those who truly were following him, who believed in him, who had confidence in him, they would put themselves aside for another. And this, I knew, was such a remedy to people's problems, to the craziness, the evil, the sickness that I would be amongst often. I'm like, man, that's the remedy to this. Things would be so much better if people lived that way for each other. And, and you know what? If I'm going to follow anything and put myself in anything, I want this. That's what I want to be. I don't just want to watch the movie. I want to be the movie, Yes. You were made for that. Where? Let me get back to my notes, man. So Jesus, you know, he doesn't say, you know, hey, I'm the good shepherd. Now follow me and now go out and, and, and live your life as you would so choose. And he's not, it's, this isn't a chastisement. This is, an, and I'm exhorting you that there's so much more. And I'm showing you that it exists in you. But you don't think that you've got it in you. But that's because you need to follow Jesus and know that he's the I am, the good shepherd. He is God, and he gave his life for you. And to the extent that you believe that, you'll see yourself in a different way, yes? All right, so let's go to John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I want to say that again, just as the Father knows me and I know my Father, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Maybe one of the most precious verses in all of Scripture. Hmm. 
I know my sheep and they know me. And I lay down my life for my sheep. What, what is Jesus speaking to here? It's a mutuality of knowing. <laughs> when I talked before about all different religions and, and, and way of living life, this is it here. And I didn't know it then. Now, years gone on, ministry, counseling degree, learning, internship. Wow! A mutuality of knowing. No other belief system in all the world contains this. No other religion comes close to this. The word know here, that's used repeatedly in verses 14 and 15. It, it, in the original language, the Greek, the word there spoke to an experiential knowing, an experiential knowledge, not just facts, not just academics, but someone has experienced something in the depth of who they are, and they know it, yes? It speaks to the deepest intimacy with God, a knowledge of God in this way that you've experienced him. You're not just a spectator. You've participated in it. You've got some skin in the game. You've sacrificed. You've stepped out. You have followed Jesus, and you have seen God meet you in an extraordinary way, and you know him. To God be the glory, yes? Uh, this is why Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life. It's so that we can be known by God. God could look upon us and not see our, our marredness and our sinfulness, but he would see the righteousness of his son, Jesus. That's what he sees, not who you are, but what Jesus did. And that we can now be known by God so that we can experience God in the most deepest, meaningful way. We've been through life, man, you and I. We have hurts, we have habits, we have mistakes her we have this and that and it just all builds up and 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 it over time it just kind of creates an identity in us it's, we see ourselves in a certain way the problem is that identity is based on our circumstances and and the context of our circumstances and it is not an accurate depiction of who we really are huh and that identity is the one that you sit there and you're like wow this feels right i'm seeing this, this is so right this is what should be this is what i want to be that's what and you're not realizing man that this is who i am I can do this. I was made for this. Especially when no one's looking. And yet you don't see yourself that way, huh? Because you've created a different identity, which is detached from reality, but taken from the circumstances, how you interpreted them, and it's just distancing you or discouraged you or distracted you from who God says you are and from having you focus on who he says he is. I am the good shepherd. We just see ourselves as not good enough. We do. We see ourselves to our own self-limitations. Jesus laid down his life for you. God gave Jesus for you. And not because you're hot stuff, because you're not hot stuff. I'm not hot stuff, right? You know? We must see ourselves the way God sees us this morning. In the midst of all that's going on, we must first and foremost see ourselves the way God sees us. It's important. Because you want to grasp this mutual knowing, this mutuality. I sound like a mucho gracias. <laughs> it just came out. This mutual knowing. Because to the extent that you can do this is to the extent that you will find yourself in the presence of God. And this is ultimate here. There's no greater thing you could do on earth than to, is to find yourself in God's presence presence and begin to live out from that, to be aware of his presence, and then to begin to worship him from that, to think from that presence, to act from that presence, to live out of that presence. 
you, you see the person, you and me, that we've created, that we've identified with, we found that person, we developed that person outside of the presence of God. I just want you to get that. Even the way you're interacting with your spouse or your kids, at times, you know, it's coming from that personality, that identity, and, and that was developed outside the presence of God, outside your knowing God. It's a false identity. It's who you think you are. And God has a whole different you. And God sees you in a whole different way, a real way, a genuine way, an honest way, a humble way. Imagine if you could know yourself that way. Reality, humility, honesty, being genuine, being, you know, when we realize this, that this is who we are, but God loves us. He cherishes us. He knows me. And I now, I know him. I've been honest with myself, honest with him. I'm stepping out and living my life for him. I know him. This mutual knowing. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep, <laughs> I know them and they know me. Know Jesus today, huh? Jesus is inviting you into a deep relationship with him and his Father in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three persons, one God for eternity. Jesus says, come on in. I want you to come on into this awesome relationship. It's, it's phenomenal. Me, my Father, the Holy Spirit, we're inviting you to come on in and be one with us, to, to know us, and we will know you. There's nothing greater. In verse 16, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is extraordinary. What he's saying, he's speaking to the Jews who are, they know themselves to be God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. And, and Gentiles were outside of that. They were not to partake in God's kingdom. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I am the good shepherd. I have come and I'm telling you that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, I'm bringing them into the fold and I will be their shepherd too. And people are like, you're, you're insane, man. <laughs> you're crazy. Like, where did you get this guy from? And, and, and he's healing people. He's saying he's God. He's chastising us. And now he's saying he's going to bring the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the outsiders. He's going to bring them into the fold to be one of God's chosen people. Jesus is talking about what's going on right here today. Yeah, I want you to get the, how profound this is. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is saying, prophesying, this is what's going to happen. And it has happened. This is, the great, this is the great commission. This is the, the call, the command of Jesus Christ to see others come to know him. And we, as a church, are committed to doing that. We are committed to seeing people know Jesus. And we always will be committed to that, yes? Yeah. I give an account at every board meeting, every year. It's in our bylaws as a pastor that I have to show that people are coming to know Jesus. Every year, I give an account for it. I didn't give an account for how many stamps I spent. I didn't give an account for how many hot dogs, was, you know, how much we paid for hot dogs I didn't pay. I give an account for how many people came to know Jesus Christ. Yes. Huh? How many people were baptized into the faith? Yeah, we got a baptism coming up. You know what? Just let me keep my job and get baptized, man, huh? <laughs> oh, really, I, I do. I encourage you. As I say... I have a special time in the moment. I have two really special times with people who are baptized. In the, uh, in the room there, 
where I you know, got prepared. We hang out in there, and I speak with them. I pray with them. And then, of course, when I'm in the tank. If you've not been baptized, I, I so encourage you to have this magnificent and, and very meaningful moment uh, with professing your faith, your faith out loud uh, about God. So some of you, you're in here, and you, you've, you've just not taken that step forward to, to know Jesus, to know him as the I am, the your, your good shepherd, to know him that way, to, to follow him. You're, you're outside the fold. Even though 2,000 years ago, Jesus is laying it all out on a line. He's standing there telling these people, it's coming. I'm the good shepherd, and people are coming in. He's opened it, he's opened it up. The invitation is there. Come on into the fold. You're still out there. Uh, we, I don't know exactly why. Maybe you don't think you're good enough. Maybe, maybe you don't think Jesus is good enough, but uh, Jesus is the good shepherd, and, and you were created to know him, to know him deeply and intimately. You were created to, to follow someone who would sacrifice for you. See, you're so valuable that you, you were created to yearn and want a God that would give his life for you and, and connect with that and, and, to, and to know that you would be at your best to that when you were sacrificing and living out that same way. This is what you were created for, and God's calling you today mercifully, and he's saying, hey, I've awakened you of this need once again, and, and I've awakened you of my presence, and that which is stirring in you is me, God, Holy Spirit, drawing you and inviting you to come on in with me to begin a relation with me. Every week we have people in here who, who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have not turned to God and had that open and honest conversation. Man, God, forgive me. I have lived apart from you. I've mucked it up. But now today, this glorious day, man, I am filled with courage, gladness, and hope, and I'm turning to you now. You are my shepherd. I want to know you. And I want to know all that you know about me. God knows a lot about you. You might not know that. It's an amazing conversation when you sit in his presence and he tells you these things about yourself. It's awesome. Very enlightening. I have these conversations all the time with God. And today you're going to have that. I'm stepping out to follow my Jesus. Or, I, man, I've been, I've been walking through this Christian thing for a long time. You know, I come to church you know, a few times a month, once a month, uh, you know, here and there, you know, when I can get it in there, and, and I'm a Christian. I, but, man, I, <laughs> if someone were to look at my Christian life like a movie, would they be like, man, I'm so moved by that. Look, look, look at the way, Kathy, what a movie. Man, Jim, huh, Marge, man, Scott, what a movie. To see you live out your life for Christ, to see you sacrificing, to see you putting others before yourself, to see you risking it all for Christ, it just moved me, man. My hair stood up. My heart was beating. Uh, You know, I mean, man, they got to put this stuff in like IMAX. This is awesome. Yeah. Maybe today's your day. You say, you know what? I'm renewing my relationship with God. I am going to live out my faith following Jesus. Huh? thanking God for who he is, knowing him for who he is, knowing he's my shepherd, and I'm going to live out my life looking for opportunities uh, to sacrifice myself for others, to give myself wholeheartedly to God. And know that, that the angels are rejoicing. You are here today because deep down something in you desires to know your God, yearns to know God. I deeply believe that for each one of us. You desire to know and to be known. This is what you were made for. You need a God. You need to know a God who's given his life for you. You need to know that value, you, who, who lives for you and who loves you. You need to know that. You need to know I'm going to follow and deeply believe in a God who loves me and who sacrificed for me. 
to truly know Jesus as the good shepherd, the great I am, God in flesh who laid down his life for you and for me. Let us live with that in mind. Let us pray with that. Let us worship that way with that in mind. Let us deal with the challenges that are before us right now. Huh? Let us not be placent. Let's not be distracted. There are facts we need to deal with, but let us, let, let not, let us you know, glance at that and gaze, gaze at the living, loving God. We're out there as I said in that, my message. That's what we're doing right now. I'm looking for opportunities to live my faith out loud. Why? Because I'm a minister. No, because I'm Dave. Why? Because I, I love watching that movie. I've seen the other channels. It's ugly. I want to be all in. I love it when I get on the phone, as I say we were doing, you know, every hour. I, I just think of them, but wow, you know what? What's that person's name? What's that? We got to find out their name. You know what? Let's call them. It's such a beautiful thing. It is. Let me just reach out to them. Let me see how they're doing. Well, well they might not know you. They, they know what God wants them to know. And if you're calling them, that's what God wants. And that's a beautiful moment, right? Let me reach out to my neighbor. Let me care for people. Let me get out there. Isolate myself. I'm healthy. I'm good. I'm there. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to break rules. I'm going to follow directions. I'm going to follow the, gov the governor's mandate. But, man, wherever I can, I'm looking for that opportunity to just live out my faith in a way of honoring those around me, not being reckless or careless, but, man, living out my faith in a sacrificial, life-changing way to love others. Yes, this is an opportunity right now. It's tragic. It's sad, it's confusing, it's frustrating, it's difficult, but it is an opportunity for you to share your faith and live it out loud, huh? Let us live from that perspective. Let that be your identity. To God be the glory.